and amen. All right, so Philippians, what's the, what's the theme of Philippians? You guys remember? Joy. Joy. And Paul is writing this letter from, where's Paul writing from? Prison. From prison. Is that a joyful place, usually? Pretty fun place, a pretty cool place to be. No, especially in those times, right? A Roman prison, not the greatest place to be. It's not like you've got a, a bed and TV and gym membership and food, come, you know, three square meals. You are, man, you are stuck at the mercy of others helping you and taking care of you. And the Philippians, we're going to see, were a church that supported the Apostle Paul. Um, it was one of the poorest churches um, and yet they supported the Apostle Paul. It seems like maybe four or five times um, they delivered uh, the things that he needed to continue in ministry, and especially while, they're, while he's in prison. And so this dude, Epaphroditus, we'll learn about him later, had brought uh, the Apostle Paul supplies from Philippi. And Paul is writing, basically, basically it's a thank you letter as we look at this letter. And, but the major theme is joy, and what Paul's going to communicate to us, that, that really one of the big takeaways is that we can have joy no matter how gnarly circumstances are in our lives. Amen. Our joy is not dependent upon our outward circumstances or really inward emotions. It's, it's from being in fellowship with Jesus. It's being connected to him, and we saw and learned a few things that brought Paul joy in the midst of his circumstances last week. One of those things was praying for the Philippians. It brought him much joy when he thought about these believers. He was so grateful for them and that God had brought their lives together. Is it, is an, it, is, is it an accident that God brings us together? Coincidence? No, it's the Lord who does that in a special way and knits our lives together and brings us into connection and fellowship with one another. And Paul was grateful not only for the fellowship, the connection they had, but also that they were partners in the gospel. They were teaming up together as they were supporting Paul. Paul was able to keep ministering and doing what God had call, called Paul to do to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was also thankful for the good work that God had begun in them and that God would see through to completion. Are you grateful for that this morning? Is that like cause for joy? God's begun a good work in you. Is he going to finish it? Yes. Is he going to quit halfway? No. no way. Is he going to drop the ball? No. Fire you? No. Is he disappointed in you? No. no. He loves you. He's begun this good work in you, and he's the one who's going to complete it. And that brought Paul so much joy there in prison, thinking about them, the good work that began in them, and that God would finish that good work. Not only that, Paul was joyful. Every time he thought of them, he spoke about he longed to be with them because of their, again, because of their friendship, because of what they shared in common. And remember, we ended last week looking at Paul's prayer for the church. And by the way, this is a spirit-led prayer. This is, some, this is a prayer that, that the Lord would have us pray for one another. Paul, and, and again, I think it's important just to take note um, of this, that Paul didn't give God some laundry list of things that needed to be changed, needed to be fixed. Like, we can do that, can't we? God, I need you to do this, fix that. You know, I need this to get done. Can't, can't we do that in prayer sometimes? Fix this about this person, change this about that person. 
And Paul's like, I'm just praying that your love would continue to abound and to flourish, right? That we would fall more in love with Jesus and more in love with one another. Because that really is the answer, isn't it, love? That's what it boils down to. And so Paul prayed that. And not only that, that their love would be tempered with discernment also and knowledge that they would grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we continue to grow in knowing the Word of God and being able to discern or to be able to to understand what is right and what is wrong, the things that are coming at me, especially in the day and age we live in, correct? It's like you don't know if they're telling the truth or not in the news anymore. Correct? It's like, what what is the truth in all of this? That's why we filter everything with the Word of God. And Paul's praying that they would do that, that they would approve of the things that are excellent, that the choices they made in their life, the things they were involved in, the things they were engaged in, the things that they did with their discretionary time were excellent things because sometimes good can be the enemy of the best. God has the, this is the best thing for you, but we choose something that, is less or, or not quite as good. And so we, we need to have that the discernment to say, you know what, this is the best thing. This is, this is something that will make an eternal difference. Yesterday I was, um, I haven't even got to the text. I'm sorry, I'll get there. But I, I was just, my daughters are home from college. Mackenzie's got a job at Lifetime Fitness as a lifeguard and she was just telling me just how hard it is, her hours and so forth. And I was just saying, honey, just, you know what? Try to make a difference in one person's life. Just, you know what? Make that your prayer. Make that, make that your, your, your purpose is to make a difference in one person's life. And yesterday she saved someone in the pool. And I was like, hallelujah, baby, that's so awesome. You know, you, you, you know what? You were looking, you were available for the Lord to use your life. And so we need to approve those things that are excellent, that, that, Lord, how can I make a difference in someone's life today or this week, Lord? Lead me, guide me, show me. And then Paul prayed also that they would be sincere, that they would be real, that there would be no phoniness, that they'd be the same person at church as they are out in the world, correct? Why does he have to pray that? Because sometimes we're not, correct? This is church. We can be honest this morning. Don't be lying in church. Sometimes we're not, and that, but that disconnect needs to, needs, to, needs to shrink, if you will. And Paul's praying that they would be sincere, that they would be real and honest, the same person we are in church as we are out there or at home or wherever the Lord would lead our feet. And not just that, he prayed that they would be without offense, that they wouldn't trip people up by the way they live their lives. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't the, the word literally means offense means to cut people down to use what God's given them to hurt other people in any way, shape, or form. And then he finally said be, that you'd be, you would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, that your life would be overflowing with the fruits of right-on stuff. And how does it happen? By being connected to Jesus Christ. It's by Jesus. Did you notice that? Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. We get our life, our nutrients, all that we need from being connected to Jesus in a fresh and current relationship with him. And Paul's like that you would be filled with those fruits to the glory of God as you're abiding in Jesus. Now we begin the next section. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Verse 12. But 
I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so, remember, the Philippians had heard something about Paul, right? Paul's in prison. Man, he's in prison in Rome. And when you're in prison in Rome, Caesar either gives you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. There's no appeals. Thumbs down means you're fed to the lions. And so Paul's in prison. And remember, last time in Philippi, when he was in prison, God sprung them, right? Him and Silas. They got sprung from prison, miraculously. Now they're hearing Paul is in prison. Oh, man, the circumstances are dire for him. Is he okay? What's going on? Why is God allowing Paul to go through this? He's such a faithful servant. Why is he in prison? It doesn't make any sense at all. You guys ever think that sometimes? It doesn't make sense. How could this be happening? Can I ask you guys a question? Is God sovereign? Is he in control? Is God working all things together for good of those that love him? Is God behind our circumstances? Amen? We can agree on that this morning. Look at Paul says. He says, but I want you to know. I really want you to understand. I know, I know you're concerned, family, brethren. All the rough stuff that has occurred to me, that has happened to me in my life, what kind of stuff has happened to Paul? He's been beaten, he's been stoned with rocks, right? By the, by the way, just gotta make sure he <laughs> shipwrecked, lied about. But falsely accused, does that ever happen in ministry? You're lied about, falsely accused. What else? Criticized? All those things have happened to the Apostle Paul. Now he's perhaps on death row in prison. And Paul's like, look at his attitude here. I want you to know, guys, the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Don't be saying, this is like the loose Robertson translation, LRT. He's like, don't be freaked out. It's all good. Right? It's a huge blessing. Why? Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is being advanced. Number one, this is like number one of 52-point sermon this morning. <laughs> Paul saw God's hand in all that happened to him. Paul saw God's hand in all that happened to him. Not only is God, Paul, Paul knows not only is God doing a good work in me, but he's also doing a good work around me also, even in this place of difficulty, this place of where it's not comfortable, this place that is gnarly and hard. Listen, seeing our circumstances through the lens of eternity is absolutely crucial and vital this morning. Seeing God's hand in everything. What we might view as a hindrance is actually a blessing. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. You guys ever get interrupted during the day? 
You guys ever get interrupted? Some of us, most of us, we do, don't we? Is that, is that on accident, coincidence? I'm learning more and more that those are divine appointments with people that need to hear about Jesus Christ or to be encouraged in their walk with the Lord. Because sometimes it's like, oh man, how am I, can, what are you doing stopping me right now? Why are you getting in my way? Why, why are you coming into my space? And it's like, you know what? That's a divine appointment. The Lord is bringing people into our lives that he loves, that he died for, he wants to rescue, or someone he wants to encourage in their walk as well. Or perhaps even this, perhaps even this, perhaps that person has brought, been brought into your life to encourage you, to strengthen you in your walk with Jesus. And so lots of stuff happens to us, and at the time we're clueless, but then we look back and say, oh, Lord, thank you. I see how you were working all along. At the time, it doesn't make sense. No way can God use this for his purposes. Yet listen, this morning, we are called to walk by faith and not by, and not by sight. Can I encourage us this morning? Don't ever underestimate God. He doesn't do things the way we do. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen? Point number two in this 52-point sermon. <laughs> Just being facetious. I just think there's a couple of things we need to observe and apply here. Number, number two is our reactions to trials and tribulations radically impact those around us. Paul's attitude and his actions touch the lives of others. Listen, when you are in a trial or you're in a difficult, gnarly circumstance and you get all self-absorbed, and self-focused, all you care about is you and no one else, you will not have joy. You'll be bummed out. You'll be singing the blue, the poor, we sing the poor, poor memes, don't we? That's the song we're singing when we get all turned in. But Paul's focus is outward on reaching others. He's like, I'm all about the gospel. I'm glad I'm here. I'm in this place of difficulty and I'm sharing the good news. That's what I do. That's who I am. Listen, I can, still, I can still share the gospel. That's so important. Paul kept the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. Preaching Christ. Amen? Sharing the good news. It is good news, isn't it? We just sang that song. We were all pumped up, weren't we? Yeah. We came out of the We were dead in our trespasses. Jesus has made us alive. We are forgiven. We're forgiven people. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he wants you and I to share that good news, correct? With those around us. And we talk about the things we love, gang. And so Paul loved people. He loved the Lord. He loved people. How, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things, who share the good news. Listen, Proverbs... Uh, I think it's 30.11 or 11.30 says, the, the one who wins souls is wise. The one who wins souls is wise. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's winning souls. In fact, look at verse 13 with me. Check it out. What does it say? It has become clear or evident to the whole palace guard. It speaks of all the soldiers and all the rest and everyone else that my incarceration, my chains, 
are in Christ or because of Jesus Christ. What were the people saying? You know what they were saying? This is a God thing. This is a Jesus thing that's happening. God brought you here, Paul, to this place to share with us why so that we might be saved. And you know who's saying it? The palace guard. You know what we're talking about here? We're talking about rough, rugged soldiers. If it's the praetorian guard, it's like the special forces. These are some, these are some rough and rugged guys. It's not like buttercups we're talking about. Guys that are battle-hardened. And they're coming, and here's the deal. Paul's in this prison cell or room, and there's a rotation of soldiers that are coming in. Paul's in chains, by the way, right? He's been, he says that over and over. I'm an ambassador in chains. Who's he chained to? Who's, who's there? Roman soldiers. And they're getting, they're, they do shift work, and they would rotate out the Roman soldiers. So a Roman soldier would come in, right, and be there with Paul. And what do you think Paul was talking about? I... I wonder how those gladiator games are going. You know, uh, Jim Bob Johnson, you know, he's been killing those lions. And I think think that's what he's talking about. He was sharing the good news. In fact, remember in Ephesians, Paul Paul asked for prayer that God would give him boldness to open his mouth and speak as he ought to, sharing the good news with people. And by the way, that's a prayer we should pray. Lord, give us boldness. Because sometimes we chicken out, don't we? We need boldness. God, give us boldness. The early church prayed that. Lord, give us boldness to speak forth your word. And they were filled afresh with the Spirit and began to talk about Jesus Christ. And so Paul is opening his mouth and he's sharing with the palace guard. And notice what else it says. And all the rest. And if you flip forward with me real quick, chapter 4, verse 22, I think it is. Paul, as he's signing off here in this letter... Huh, this is so cool. Because sometimes you just blaze through the end, don't you? Oh, yeah, say hi, blah, blah, blah. Let's get on to Colossians. Look at verse 22. All the saints greet you, all the believers, but especially those who are of whose household? Even those in Caesar's household are getting saved. So it's like they're playing tele- telephone. Is that the game? Not, it's not, maybe that's a bad illustration. One guard's getting saved, and he's going back to the barracks, and what's he doing? He's sharing with the team. Some are going to Caesar's household. They're sharing. People are getting saved in Caesar's household. It's going viral. How about that? People are getting radically saved, radically born again, and it's so beautiful when the Lord does that. It's a work of his spirit, but, but God's just using someone that's faithful, That's saying, yeah, Lord, here's my life. Use my life. I love you, and I love these people. I have your heart on this, and I need boldness, and I will preach. I will share the good news with people. And and the power is in the gospel itself, Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power unto salvation, you guys. And so it's just sharing the good news with people. Has God done great things in your life? Has he had compassion and mercy on you? Man, that's a great place to start is sharing what the Lord has done in your life, how he's had mercy on you and on me. And so Paul's response to trials and tribulations impacted, notice number one, those who didn't know Jesus. And by the way, can I encourage us this morning, wherever you are, God wants to use you to reach the lost. Your job, school, neighborhood, 
whatever state you are in, whatever circumstance you, you're, you find yourself in the midst of, God wants to use your life to reach those that his son died for. I was sharing first service. Uh, you know, we talk about outreach and stuff. Like, my neighbors are so good at outreach, and they're not believers. You know how they do outreach? They come, they come to my house, and they got their, their survey, so they got their beers. Hey, come on, Mike. We got, we're having a block party. Come on down. You know, that's outreach. They're trying to bring me in. They're trying to bring me back into someplace I don't want to go again. But that's outreach. Come on down with us. We got a great party. But then you start to share with them, and some of them kind of don't want to talk to you anymore. But there are some that are still open, right? The door's still open. Pray, pray that God would keep that door open to minister to them as they watch your life to see how you respond to adversity and difficulty. Eyes are on you, just like on the Apostle Paul here. And he's, he's sharing with joy with these precious people. And so, man, your workplace is not just a place of work to pick up a paycheck, by the way. God has divinely placed you there to reach people. And so Paul is sharing, people are getting saved, and many believers, look at the next verse with me, and many believers are encouraged to share their faith, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, and most of the brethren in the Lord, that's Christians, most but not all, most of them, have become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So notice that many of the Christians were what? They were stirred. They were encouraged. They were moved by Paul's chains, by his imprisonment. I think this is so, this is so remarkable to me because what they were moved by what they were moved by was the way that Paul responded and how he responded to his difficult circumstances. The Christians were inspired to share God's word, watching and listening to Paul as he handled his trial, having a good time, sharing the good news, sharing the message of Jesus Christ with others. I mean, what's the message coming from your life this morning? Let me encourage you. What's the, what's the message coming from our lives? We... We're not imprisoned, are we? We are so free. We are so blessed to live in this nation, to be able to share the gospel freely. That day may be closing in soon. The darkness is coming when no man can work. And so they're these Christians are emboldened. They're inspired to share. Look what it says. The word, to share God's word. How? Without fear. Free of fear. You know what was happening? Church people were going to visit Paul there in prison and maybe thinking on the way, oh man, Paul's got to be so bummed. Man, he's in prison again? He's on death row. He's going to get fed to the lions. He must be just bummed out. And then seeing him in chains, ministering with joy, what's their response? They're blown away. He's got so much joy. If Paul can have joy in the midst of of these gnarly circumstances, so can we. They saw that God had Paul covered too, taking care of Paul. 
If God can take care of Paul in these gnarly circumstances, God can take care of me also. How could I doubt God's care for my life? Beautiful. And they were saying, check this out, and here's what they were saying. And they were saying, what do we have to be afraid of? Because didn't they share the word? How'd they share the word? What does it say? With what? Free of? Without fear. They were challenged. They were convicted. Watching Paul go through this, he's preaching the gospel. They're challenged. They're convicted. Has that ever happened to you? You go to minister to someone, and they end up ministering to you, maybe challenging you, bringing conviction into your life. Has that ever happened to you guys? I was sharing first service. Uh, Victoria Garrett, precious sister of ours, she um, ended up going home to be with Jesus. She had cancer for years, suffering week after week, month after month in the hospital, physically suffering. Spiritually, you go in there to see her, and she didn't know you were coming. She wasn't like, oh, you know what, let me get brushed up on some verses. And You would go and visit her, and she's sharing the gospel with the nurses. She's praying for doctors. You come in there, and she's like, you know what I read this morning? Let me share, you, share this with you, Mike. Wow. And here she is, here she is on walking through the valley of the shadow of death. No fear. Sharing Jesus with everyone she came in contact with. That's what I'm talking about here. These people are coming to see Paul and they're like, whoa, wow, if Paul can do that, man, I can do that. I have no excuse. Check out Paul. The guy is fearless in the face of death, adversity. He continues to serve the Lord and share the good news. Listen, by the way, fear blocks us from all that God has for us. Do you guys know that this morning? Fear blocks us from what God wants to do through our lives. And isn't that what happens? That's why we don't share so often. Can we be real this morning? Is that what keeps us? Fear of rejection. Fear of what men will think of us or women will think of Are you with me? I'm not hearing a lot of amens, but that's okay. Maybe it's just me. But remember Gideon? You guys remember Gideon, super chicken? God radically used him when he had a fear of God that was greater than the fear of man. We worry about pleasing people. That's, that's a snare, you guys. It's a snare. You can't please people. You can't please yourself. It's bondage. There's only one person we need to please, and that's Jesus Christ. He's not hard to please. He just wants us to trust him, to walk with him. And you will be rejected sharing the gospel. Jesus was rejected. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But what did he do? He kept ministering, didn't he? He kept sharing and loving and caring and healing and doing all those things, knowing that there will be some people that will respond. It's your job is not to change the person. Our job, your job, and my job is to be faithful with what we've been entrusted with. And we've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest message of all time. It is the, it is the message of truth, of hope, of love, of forgiveness. Of We know where we're going because we've received the gospel. We have the answer in the face of death, gang. Do you realize that this morning? So many people out there with the fear of death, no peace, no joy in their lives. And they're just waiting for someone like you or like me to say, you know what? Can I tell you about Jesus? 
the one who has rescued me. Rescued people rescue people, okay? And so fear keeps us, by the way, fear keeps us from joy. Paul's persecution, his sharing in the midst of this brought him joy. And by the way, it authenticated what he was preaching. It made it real. Any, what do I mean by that? Anyone can have joy when things are going well. Right? Count it all joy, brother. When you fall into trials of various kinds, hallelujah. You just better start praising the Lord. When things are going good, it's easy, right? You know what I'm talking about? But when you're going through the midst of it, and it's gnarly, and it's heavy, and it's dark, and you don't know which way's up, and you're having a hard time reconciling God's love with your current situation, and you're saying, you know what? Rejoice. Let's rejoice together. Because God's going to do something awesome. He promised. He promised he's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. And he's using our lives for his glory. And the best is yet to come. What's the worst that can happen to us? We go right to the place where the sun is preparing a place for us right now to be with him forever. Listen, listen, and it, it's so, and you know what? I've been going through a, you know, kind of a heavy season with my son. You guys know Luke. But it's like, I'm learning that I can't teach something and not walk in it myself. You know what I'm saying? That's like jive turkey stuff. Yeah, do this, but I can't, I'm not going to do it myself. No, 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 that's, that's Pharisee stuff, isn't it? The Pharisees ask people to do stuff that they weren't willing to do themselves. And so if, for those of us who are teaching, be prepared to walk in those things that we are communicating from the Word of God. And the cool thing is the Lord meets you right there to help you to do it because he's faithful. Amen? Next section. Let's crank it out. We've got time. We do. One hour and 30 minutes, does it say? Cool. Some people that come for the first time are like, what is he talking about? Really? I got to get to Costco sample time. Why we, why we can still get them because they're closing stuff down. Not going to get my Costco samples. Those sample people need Jesus, don't they? The ones that are serving. Maybe that's your ministry. You're the, sam- you're the gospel sampler. <laughs> right? That's something you love to do. Now use it to the glory of God. I like to surf. You guys know surf camp next Saturday. Share the gospel. Some people want to get baptized. Come on down next Saturday. You Listen, God... God's not like a killjoy, gang. Do you know that? Because sometimes you think, if I do that, if I serve the Lord, it's going to be such a bummer, man. If I really say, Lord, here's my life. He's going to send me to Africa, and I'm going to be eating crickets. And You know, it is a blast serving Jesus. It, fellowshipping with Jesus. That's where fullness of joy is. That's what John wrote in his first epistle. Fullness of joy is being in connection with Jesus no matter where you're at because you're walking with him and serving him and he's doing awesome stuff in your life and through your life and it's like, oh, wow. Lord, I'm glad I didn't miss out on what you have for me. Well, let's just check this out. This is so good as we finish this morning. Wow, we cranked out three or four verses. Hallelujah. Verse 15, some indeed... Preach Christ, notice this, even from envy 
and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former, the, the first group, preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter, the second group, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. This is like so good right here. Guys, don't miss this this morning. It's so important. Preaching Christ is the main thing for Paul. One group of Christians, look, look at verse 15, one group of Christians, they're preaching Jesus, they're sharing the gospel, but notice their motivation. It's with jealousy. It's with envy. Is that a good motivation, by the way? No. How about strife? That's contention, right? Discord. People are preaching with those motivations. Some also, some other Christians from goodwill. Is that a good motivation? Goodwill means with delight, with purely out of compassion and goodness. The former, the first group, look at verse 16, look what it says. The first group, they share Jesus, they preach Christ from selfish ambition. Is selfish ambition good? Ambition is good. Do you know that ambition is good? It's good to be, to, to want to bless the Lord, to please the Lord, to serve the Lord. Selfish ambition is bad. It's all about self, self-seeking, self-image, look at me, check me out. That's what the Pharisees did, right? They did everything to be recognized by men, to be seen by men, to get the praises of men, the attaboys, the pats on the back is the idea. That's, that's bad motivations. And he also says, notice what else he says in verse 16, not sincerely. That's not honestly, it's impure. That's phony is the idea. Supposing, and then on top of all that, supposing to add affliction to my chains, thinking that they will increase, that word affliction means pressure or compression, heaviness, pain, that they're thinking we're going to add pain to Paul. Isn't that sad to have that as your motivation and the method of ministry? And what does Paul say? Listen, there are those who are opposed to me, even though some are emboldened to share the word without fear, there's some bad guys. There's some bad guys in the mix. And Paul calls it for what it is, right? They're purposefully preaching to try and hurt me, to cash in on the gospel, to talk trash about me. Their motives are corrupt. And by the way, um, Paul said in Corinthians, God's word says in Corinthians, he says where... He says, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Did you guys catch that? In a church, I hear about some churches, not this one, where there's envy and strife and divisions. Paul says, you're acting like a bunch of babies. You're immature. You're, you're still in huggies, spiritually. <laughs> is the idea. And Paul's like, I can't talk to you as, 
as spiritual people because you haven't moved forward in your maturity yet. You're still carnal means you got anybody eat chili con carne? Con chili, right? Con carne with meat, right? You're still in the meat. You're still in the flesh the way you're doing things. You're not being led spiritually is the idea. Some of you give me a dirty look. That's okay. That's the way I can remember it. And so these are marks, in, back, in, back in Philippians 1, these are marks of immaturity where there's rivalry and competition and self-seeking, self-promotion. And, and here's the deal. Paul would say later in that 1 Corinthians 3 chapter is that if our motivations are jacked up, when we stand before the Lord, on, when, when there's going to be rewards given out to us as believers, if our motivation is not love, what's going to happen? All that we've done or the things that we've done are going to burn up in a, pinch of, in, a, in a puff of smoke and it's going to be a pinch of ash that's left. Are you with me? And, and listen, we can all, we can, at times we can have this in our hearts, can't we? Don't, don't we all have a little Pharisee still living within us? And it's like, that's why the old man needs to be crucified daily. And that to allow the Lord to search us. In fact, Paul said, I, I could care less if you judge me. I don't even judge myself. I leave it to the Lord. I leave it to him. You know, you know what I'm saying, gang? Because it's like, for me, it's like, bottom line, if I'm going down, I'm going down with Jesus, wanting to please him. To honor him, to love him, and to love you guys. And Paul says there's this whole crew of people with bad motivations, wrong motivations, wrong methods, and then there's a whole other group of people. Look what it says to me. Group number two, verse 17. They were sharing the gospel from a position of love, a motivation of love, knowing that Paul is put in a place of giving a defense. We get the word apology or apologetics. It's not apologizing for our faith, but it's giving a reasoned defense. That's what Paul did when he went to the Jews. He did what? He reasoned from the scriptures with them. Here's the Old Testament scriptures. Here's the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. We have a reasonable faith. He did that elsewhere too with like Felix or one of those governors too. Paul reasoned because we have a reasonable faith, gang. It's reasonable. And so Paul's like, here's why I am who I am. Here's what I, why I believe what I believe. Here in chains, here in this place, here in this situation, I have the opportunity to share. I have a reason to explain myself. And here's point number, I don't know what number. This is like, I, this, is so, this is so spiritually mature what Paul says here. What he communicates in the next verse. And the point is, Paul's committed to the gospel regardless of the motives or methods of others. You guys catch that? Paul is committed to the gospel regardless of the motives or methods of others. Look what he says in verse 18 as we finish up this morning. What then? Paul's like, what am I getting at? Only in every way. How much is every? All. In every way. Whether in pretense or in truth. Pretense is pretending, putting on an act, faking it, hypocrisy, sham, speaking about bad motives. 
whether in pretense or in truth, in honesty, in uprightness, the bottom line, Christ is preached. The gospel is preached. And what does he say? I'm happy about that, and I will continue to be happy about that. Can I ask you guys a question this morning? How do you handle those in the church who are preaching the gospel with jacked up motivations? How do you handle them? Think about that with me. We, listen, we spend, a lot, we spend a lot of time criticizing other ministries and ministers. Do you know that? Not here. I'm just talking about in general people. Because I, I hear it. People send me emails and talk to me about this and that. I, I think the time personally, would be better spent for you and I rather than like witch hunting, sin sniffing, finger pointing, is to say, you know what, how can I make a difference in someone's life today preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can I be used by the Lord to encourage another brother or to see someone that doesn't know Jesus come to know him and to walk with him? Because that's where joy is found. Paul is not, Paul called him out, by the way. He calls him out, but he's not ticked off. He's not triggered. He's not angry. He's like, I'm rejoicing. They're preaching the gospel. Did you guys catch that? Paul's like, whether it hurts me or not, that's not the issue. Jesus Christ is being lifted up and people are being saved. That's awesome. Did Jesus say anything about that? Remember Luke 9, Mark 9, John the Apostle came to Jesus and said, Lord, we saw some dude, again, loose Robertson translation, we saw some dude casting out demons in your name, and we told him to stop. He's not part of our congregation. He's not part of our denomination. He was doing good in your name, and we told him, stop doing good in your name. Was that, was that good, Lord? What do you think about that? What did Jesus say? Remember what he said? Do not stop him. Do not hinder him. Why? For he who is not against us is for us. Wow. That's heavy, isn't it? Paul's emphatic. Look at this. He's rejoicing. Yes! Because I'm in prison, people are more motivated to preach the gospel and even though their motivations are jacked up, the gospel's being preached. Listen, if your motives are bad, God's going to deal with you. Do you know that this morning? If your motives are jacked up, why? Because he's begun a good work in you. And he's going to work on you and work with you. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. What about those people teaching false gospels? Paul dealt with that in Galatians, didn't he? Did Paul deal with that in Galatians, y'all? If you preach a false gospel, I don't care how good your motives are. You are, you're a wolf. You're a, you're a phony. You're dangerous. Paul addressed that. You're bogus, man. Your good motives don't excuse your false message. How's that for balance this morning? Is that good? 
Some of you are like, well, what about those false teachers? <laughs> but these dudes Paul's talking about had the right message, but the wrong motive and the wrong method. But the gospel was not compromised. You guys see that in the, in the text with me? This is crucial. Because the good news, listen, the good news is so powerful, it even works when weirdos are preaching. Hallelujah. Pastor. Can I ask you a question? Did God begin a good work in those weirdo preachers too? Is he going to finish that good work in them? He is. Does God finish what he started? He does. And listen, here, listen here's the deal. Maybe they do need to grow up. And here... And, our God, our dad is good at raising kids, isn't he? And the day is coming when it's all.